Welcome into the Esports Network Podcast, of course, talking about anything and everything esports related from coast to coast across the nation. And here to help me talk about that kind of uh, national region kind of esports scene out of the southeast. You don't hear a lot of stuff coming out of, you know, Atlanta, Nashville, Memphis, that whole area down there. Here to help me talk about the esports goings ons in that area. Plus, welcome in Jacob Johnson. Of course, he is the founder and team manager of Lagger Gaming. How are you doing, Jacob? Pretty good, man. Glad to talk. I'm happy to have you on. And of course, uh, for people who don't know you, of course, founder of Lager Gaming. You're based out of Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, you specialize in event organization and brand outreach. I mean, you have a bunch of roles besides that. Would you, would you care to kind of, uh, uh, I guess, exa- exa- expand a little bit on what roles you really have throughout the industry? <laughs> I, I, it does vary a lot, like especially for my organization. I do everything from managing the players to doing the graphic design to doing the video editing um i do have two friends who help me out with the organization my friend ellis he helps me with the rogue company side of things and then my friend um dave who helps me with the contract side of things um but besides that it's pretty much me doing everything um i'm also the main one hosting the events out here in nashville um when i do events at wku i do have their esports program helping with those events um same with some of the other colleges we work with um, outside of that, I do do a lot of blog writing, article writing, content creation. Um, my my quote unquote full time like day job, um, I do social media management. On top of that, I also do help with Collegiate Esports, um, help with Geo Score, which you might know. Um, I'm going to be helping with their upcoming combine later this year too. So. I have a lot planned for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. It sounds like you got a, a lot on your platter right there, and it seems like you're handling up pretty well. So let, let's get started, I guess, uh, not at the beginning, but at least like the semi-beginning, right? So obviously, you're, you're an eSports, which means, to me at least, that you grew up playing video games like the rest of us, right? You're invested in video games, not just from a, a business standpoint, but, but also from a, a personal standpoint. What was that Nexus event for you, that point where you said, hey, I can actually kind of help make money off this in some way? And I, I, like, for me, I would say it came really early on because, like, obviously, yeah, I, I was a loner in school, so I have, I played 12 plus hours a day. I literally played school more than, like, I, or I played video games longer than I was at school most days. Um, and at the beginning of high school and the middle school, pretty much, I started doing clan wars and all the stupid <laughs> things on Call of Duty that everyone really started at. Um, and we used to do all the clan wars, and then I started meeting a lot of these players online who were, near me or at least somewhat local to me in my region and from there i kind of like hey i can host a tournament i just need to find a place to do it and thankfully near me we had the sport of murfreesboro they're not around anymore sadly but i used to host all of my events there i first went there when i was 14 trying to get them to let me do a tournament they were very hesitant on it just because i was 14 and i i think more or less i bugged them enough for them to finally say yes <laughs> and then they let me host my first event we had 10 Call of Duty teams. It went well. And then, of course, I just kept doing that since. Um, after they closed down in 2017, thankfully, I had enough money saved up, and they gave me a good deal on all of their own equipment. So I was able to buy everything from the PlayStations to the Xbox booth to even the chairs. Wow. And I took everything I could just to keep going. And after they closed, of course, I had to rent out other centers. Uh, one of my venues I still use today is the local arcade. Um, and another one I use, it's, it's a convention center, so it's used for all kinds of things, from weddings to banquets and that kind of stuff, and then just been going from there. 
Oh, that sounds it sounds like a journey, right? Journey and a half for you. It's awesome. I mean, so for people out there who, who kind of want to get in the space, right? Like what was the main factor in getting involved in esports? Was it just like the drive, the motivation, or was it something like I'm good at this? I, I, it's a hobby, but I want to kind of, you know, evolve it into something I can I can help out and kind of really, you know, make a little bit of a side cash off of. But I mean, it's it goes from like a hobby to like a full blown kind of like side gig for you, right? Yeah, especially nowadays. Um, like I have a, a full-time job in esports now, even outside of work, my gaming stuff, my organization. Um, I, I think that the thing that made it from hobby to like a job is when I started doing the events, and then I had players like Kenny and ADC come to my events very early on, like in Ghost and Event Warfare days, um, where no one was really known back then, and they they started coming to my events. Thankfully, I was able to start renting and buying more equipment, and then just slowly been coming from there. Um, and thankfully been playing off that momentum since. Awesome. So you're playing off it pretty well so far. You started Lager Gaming back in, what, 2012 or so, right? So how yeah. did that come together exactly? What challenges did you face in kind of building that up at a young age, you know, uh, what, almost 10 years now for you with, with Lager Gaming? And how did that, that kind of uh, little esports organization come about for you? Man, it, like, it started with just me and my friends. Um, when shortly <laughs> before then I was entering high school, I recently just moved in after at that point. I didn't really know anyone. And of course, like everyone at that age played games. <laughs> so like I naturally started playing games and this is when Call of Duty started doing clan wars and they had like the monthly in-game things that I wish they still did, but sadly they don't. And then I just started playing with kids from my school, other people I met online. And I just started building in a bigger team. Like, hey, we're already competing in these online clan wars. But I know some of my friends go to tournaments. So let them like, play under that same name at a tournament and then of course just word of mouth and other people like hey let me play for you at this one play for you that one and it kind of just slowly grew from there um i think like some of the biggest challenges me being so young it's not like i had a job to fund things um like i was in high school mo most of the funding i had was when i would save up lunch money like that's how i would pay for my venues that's how i would do other things is just save up lunch money because i couldn't work the second i could work i did Thankfully, I got a pretty good uh, internship right out, out of high school thanks to my film and production class and just went from there. Um, thankfully, since I'm older and I can actually work now, the, those changes or those, those difficulties ain't really around anymore and I'm able to just go for clothing. Um, but I think a lot of my problems early on strictly came from money and me being so young, um, especially since I was hosting many events before I was even 18, I couldn't sign leases. So like if it wasn't for these arcades like under the table letting me host, I couldn't have hosted events. I couldn't <laughs> sign leases. Like and even now you have most of the time you have to be twenty five to sign. Yeah. And I still run into that problem sometimes because I'm only twenty two. So like that that still sucks sometimes. But definitely now a lot more venues are a lot like open to this kind of thing. So it's a lot easier if I just go someplace and pay. Like, yeah, I'm young, but like money and most people would take the money and let you do it. Um, so th thankfully, I don't run in that problem much anymore. 
No, I got you. It seems like a it seems like a <laughs> a problem that a, you know, a young 15, 16 year old shouldn't have to run into, I guess, right? But I mean, you find yourself in a situation, take advantage of it, and you kind of do what you can with it. So uh, I'm curious, so you, you being so young at that time, and you know, even still kind of you're 22, man, you're you're still a baby in my eyes too, right? Let's be real. How was your support system, right? Your family, uh, your friends that weren't involved in gaming, did they find it odd? I mean, at, at, and even at the point when you were an adult and you had a full time job, did they find it odd that you were so involved and in invested in this esports scene my my family they always think of it as weird like I, like my mom she would never think of it as normal never has never will um but i think the point where like she thought she doesn't think of it as stupid anymore and the thing ironically the thing that made her go from this is stupid to like ooh, this is cool but still dumb is when i first came home from my first event and made a like a thousand dollar profit for a weekend event mm-hmm. and then she was like Ooh, now I can take that money, so I'll let him do gaming. And that's, that was her way of like, yeah, I'll let him keep doing it because I can take some of the money. <laughs> and But even to this day, she doesn't really know what I do. And even now, when you do social media management for my, my day job and all this, but the, the most she ever like knows what's happening is like, oh, so you post on Facebook. Like, I do a lot more than post on Facebook, but yes. It, it, she's just always been that way. Um, my friends, I like, not not to say in a bad way, but pretty much most of my friends were people who played games. Like I had very little friends outside of gaming, so mm. but most of my friends knew what I did, or they did it with me. So it was pretty cool. There you go. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. You know, some of us were invested in the scene so much, our only friends are the ones in the scene, and that's not a bad thing for a lot of people. You know, like you said, like you were a loner at first, right? And you found gaming, and I'm sure through gaming you formed friendships. Through gaming, you found kind of these bonds you could really develop over the past few years, and that's kind of what's helped you out through the scene, right? Great. Perfect. So, I mean, I'm curious, right? You have a, a, a bevy of roles. Which role do you really find the most fulfilling, the one you'll take time out of any busy day to do, and why is it kind of being the founder and CEO of, of Lagger? <laughs> yeah, it's it's easily that. Um, I have sacrificed so much for Lagger. Like, some of players know it, especially the ones that have been with me for five-plus years. Because even though we've been around almost a decade, there's a handful of players that have been around with me since the beginning, mm. um, since we were all in high school, <laughs> ironically. But um it, that's usually i i put so much time and effort into it like even even asking my players like when I, even when i was in school if if i had a tournament i wouldn't go friday i wouldn't go to school friday just to focus the practice of the tournament if i won that tournament i would usually take monday off to just celebrate like treat myself uh like i missed so many days of school <laughs> because like i would put gaming first which i know was partly done but i passed i was a decent student um I would usually wear my jerseys to school, always got in trouble with dress code. Um, I would always bring like my medals and trophies to show people, even if they thought I was a geek and bullied me for it, like, hey, my trophy, I don't even, like, I earned it, so you, you can make fun of me all you want kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and even nowadays, like, I, like, if I have something to do with Lagger, one of our players has a big tournament, I will literally cancel my plans for that weekend or cancel my plans for that night. Um, and thankfully, even before I had my current job, um, I would, my boss knew, like, if you scared me for a day that, like, Evo or CEO was, I wouldn't come. And he, he knew uh, well ahead of time. Um, sadly, too, I've sacrificed plenty of friendships um, because I, I always have put Lagger first, always will put it first. Um, probably more than I should, like, health wise. But I, I definitely, yeah, I will always put it first. Um, always have, always will. It's just how I always been. 
No, it's fine. I mean, it's, it's something you, you built when you were young, right? So it's kind of it's it's not easy to say no to this thing you've built up from the ground up when you were you know a, a young and right. But obviously, it's a, it's a new day now. It's a new new decade, right, for Lager. And so the pandemic kind of affected all of us in a different way. So I'm wondering, you know, how is Lager done in, in this kind of newfound esports ecosystem that's still kind of bogged down by the by the pandemic? Have you guys done an events? Uh, you know, you know, any kind of LAN or online performances for you guys? Yeah, so plenty of our players, especially some of our players overseas, are usually competing online. Um, like our Rainbow Six team, usually, unless it's the final event of the year, it's online anyways. Mm-hmm. So they weren't affected a lot. Sadly, my fighting game players were affected hugely because most fighting games have terrible online netcodes. They, they, like, they're burdened with that, sadly. Yep. Um, but thankfully, some of those events were able to stay online and stay healthy. Um, my personal event, I haven't hosted an event since the January before it stopped starting to down. Yeah. Um, I, I still don't have any events on my roadmap just because most venues near me are still facing on a lot of that stuff. And I'd rather just play it safe and try to do something too early. Um, so I'm not too worried about that. Obviously, the second I can host one that's like safe and everything, I will. Um, already have venues lined up for that. Like I'm ready the second I can. Um, but ever since that started, once that first hit, I started like helping out my collegiate players because a lot of my fighting game players also play for colleges. And of course, when stuff first shut down, there was just nothing for a good couple of months. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were being affected because even though gaming is like a sport, by some college definition, if it's a club, their clubs can very easily take away scholarships because COVID shut down events. So yeah. I had a lot of players who were losing out on stuff like scholarships, were losing out on grant money. And I had to help them keep competing even outside of the collegiate space. So, like, that took a big hit there. And ever since that ha- happened, I've been taking a bigger leap into collegiate esports. Um, we have had WKU join us for a lot of events since then. Um, I have worked with plenty of other new and previous collegiate students. I've also been helping GeoSport and them help recruit students. Like, for their past combine last year, which was virtual, I went around to all the other kids who were doing the... Uh, the spotlight matches and the showcase matches on streams, and I was making graphics for their pages. I was making video edits for them, just so when these colleges looked on their profiles, they can see a, a full thread profile. They can see, like, hey, they didn't just play first of this tournament. Here's a whole gallery of them at the tournament. And, like, if I didn't, like, go out of my way to bug them, they would have just left it blank. Mm-hmm. And a couple of those kids who I helped got five-figure offers for Overwatch um, with colleges. And, like, I, I've been doing a lot of that recently, um, especially with just everything being online. That she, like, Kalicha Geechworks took a big, like, boost just because of that. And I've been definitely helping people on the way. So, I mean, like, obviously working a lot with, with colleges and the collegiate scene is kind of a really big boon lately for a lot of uh, a lot of organizations and companies, you know, but that, that collegiate scene is really untapped for a lot of people. And you're obviously going a little bit ahead of, ahead of the curve there and trying to get, you know, involved in it a little bit more than others. But you're still kind of, would you say you're still kind of like grassroots, independent kind of esports, right? That's what, that's what you kind of categorize yourself as? Oh, definitely. Like, like the way I see it, if you're not like a tier one team, you're grassroots. Like, right. if you're not a hundred thieves, you're grassroots. It's as simple as that. So like, even if you look in, even if you look in sports, you can see like grassroots. You can be, you have all these adult leagues around the country. Mm-hmm. They're definitely not pro. I would consider them grassroots. 
Like you're not grassroots until you're at least at a collegiate or a tier one level in my eyes at least. No, you're fine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so I'm curious, what has been, I guess, the biggest benefit of being a grassroots organization? Is it like the, it's more personable? It's a little bit easier to, to talk to people and do I'm like not saying under the table deals, but a little bit easier to work with companies and then arrange some things. I, I think being like grassroots and being that in esports is easier than any other field. And the only reason I'd say that is because esports, you can do every single thing in esports with little to no money. Yeah. You can you can't really do that anywhere else. Like if you want to play sports, the equipment costs a lot. Like you can you can't play a sport without equipment. You typically can't. Mm-hmm. But esports, if you want to write articles that you can literally do that as long as you have a computer, you want to go compete. Just about every major city at this point has tournaments you can compete. You want to cast the event. If you go to your local tournament or you go to online tournament and you say, hey, can I cast for experience? There's a very low likelihood they're going to say no. Yeah. And like for me, I have done everything in esports from writing to events to competing, everything. And even recently, I started taking a lot of these online like esports management courses and everything. And I, I realized what they lack. And now I do my own courses on Unity for esports management. But mm. I have literally done every single thing in esports imaginable for little to no cost, and everyone else can do that. Um, I, I think that's where esports benefits most at like the smaller level and like the grassroots level. Because you can literally try your hand at everything, whether or not you succeed, and not be in a big hole like you would in some of these other areas. Right. So it's like you have nothing to lose, really, if you just try these things out. But I mean, for a lot of people out there trying to start up their own like grassroots organization or their own collegiate organization or something to that effect. Right. What's like a, a big piece of advice that you wish somebody had told you starting up, you know, Ladder Gaming? What is somebody something you could tell somebody today, like a little piece of advice? Uh, I would say just focus on content. Um, always make sure you're producing something. I'm like early on my first, I would say probably a year of hosting events. I didn't really have a stream. I didn't really have a photographer. But like, I know if I had those things early on, I would have grew, grown a lot quicker, if not a lot faster. Mm. Like, like I know a lot of my earlier events, like I had these good players back in attending, but like I didn't have a photographer. I didn't have a stream, but there's only so much content, so much production I can get out of it. And I learned that later on, obviously in the, I definitely wish I learned that earlier. A lot of these organizations, they're like, yeah, let's go to this event. Like, we'll pay a team to go to this event and represent us, but then they do nothing else. Hmm. And at that point, they, they lose a lot of value um, when they were just paying hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to get a placement at a tournament. But they have no photos to show for it. They have minimal to no screen time, depending on the event. And that's where a lot, a lot of these smaller organizations kind of suffer or, like, they get, like, stuck in a hole, so to say where they can't grow much because they're, they're not getting the maximum like potential out of advertising and promoting those they work with. Hmm. No, it's, it's, it's a definite hard thing to kind of keep in mind moving forward. Once you lead an organization, right? It's hard to keep eyes everywhere, but you know, you're right about that. I mean, uh, now I, I wanted to bring you onto the show because I wanted to talk to you about specifically the region you're in. You're in, you know, the Southeast U S which is, you know, a pretty big area next to, I guess, Atlanta and you got Nashville, right where you're at, obviously Memphis, that whole kind of Southeastern U uh, S region is a really kind of um, untapped a uh, little region for esports, not just for events, but also for talent occasionally. So I'm curious, uh, what does the esports scene look like in this southeastern region of the U.S.? It really does vary. Um, like, especially for Call of Duty, 
Mm-hmm. When I first started, I was the only one who did Call of Duty and Save Tennessee, and I still am because anyone else who has tried sadly was failed. But that's that's on them. <laughs> um, but like the closest events to me back then were Ebash in Indiana, or you had to go all the way down to Florida. Mm-hmm. Like Atlanta didn't have many events back then, um, so it was really just like I I got the host events for something that wasn't nearby. Um, and then just been going from there since, like, obviously fighting games and a lot of these smaller scenes or scenes where it, it's a lot easier for them to exist because, like, for Smash Brothers or Tekken and Street Fighters, you can have an event every week and constantly be good where you can't do weekly events or something like Call of Duty and have it be as a support. It's just, it's just not how it works, sadly. Um, so I think, like, my region at least, we have, thankfully, a couple colleges here who have their own, like, mini circuit where... The clubs work together to host events around each other, so there's never collision. It's usually smooth flowing, and, and then the schedule is always good. Um, I know a lot of areas still lack that, especially in the collegiate scene, where everyone's mostly in a club and not in programs, so they don't really have the school to help them and stuff like that. Um, but even nowadays, if you want like a big event, we have a combined intensity out here once or twice a year. Um, but outside of that, we really don't have any majors in the state of Tennessee right now. Um, if you want a big event like that, you usually have to go to Florida or Texas or even farther out because every major event is usually in one of five cities. Yeah. So, and we're we're not, we just don't happen to be close to any of those five cities. Right. Um, we may be close to Texas, but Texas is huge. Yeah. <laughs> like we're not close yeah. to the right side, side of Texas. Uh, so it, it definitely, it does hurt being here sometimes just because there's nothing super big unless we go so far away. No, you're right about it being in a few cities only at a time across the country. I mean, it's either always uh, West Coast, San Francisco, or L.A., and occasionally Seattle will get like, some, some runoff events. But Midwest, it's generally Chicago, uh, Dallas, Houston, Austin, those areas right there. It's, and it's not, you know, those are, what, five, six, seven, eight-hour drives from, from wherever else, you know, you need to get to. On top of the East yeah. Coast, is generally just, what, New York, Boston. Uh, I think Philly has some events. D.C. occasionally does. Atlanta and then some, some fighting events in Florida. So you're right. It, it's very kind of limited to maybe 10 cities, I would say, total across the country where you can really get a, get a good esports event. And obviously for, for the Southeast, it's not a very easy thing to get to because you're pretty far from a lot of, a lot of the, the big cities, right? So it's, it's, it's not easy, but I can tell you, you're, you're making it work with what you got, which is all important. And so, uh, just what do you think needs to happen in that Southeastern region? Is just one major organization needs to be planted in that region to kind of help build it up? I, I think that's just saying what game they want to build up. Because, like, obviously, the, these handful of cities that host all of the primary games, they just happen to be in areas where there's a lot of people. Yeah. And, like, when you when you get over here, you, you can have, like, the entire Southeast have the same population as one West Coast state. Yeah. So like, there, there's just not a lot of people, and that's what, like, limits what can happen. Um, but I think definitely, like, my intensity, they get over 500 people. Um, and a couple other events have came near here in Atlanta. They show that they can get a good amount of people, but being able to get like like Texas numbers, like uh, the stadium numbers, or getting like CEO of Florida numbers, where I am at least, would be very difficult. Mm. Um, especially for Tennessee, um, Nashville, our airport's a very small airport. Um, we don't really have many like cities you can stop at going in. Um, it really is just like, do we really want to drive eight hours to Tennessee or two hours to Texas? 
kind of thing. <laughs> and I know a lot of people who don't like carpooling as it is will pick Texas. Like, I think I think there there could be steps to take it, but obviously, like getting five hundred thousand people out of tournaments all great and all, but. I think it would really be hard to get like a a big big like CEO evil kind of event near uh, this region just because the amount of people. No, um, I think the closest we'll get to is definitely Atlanta, mm. but not nothing north of it. I I think. No, for sure, and it's just for 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 reference, other for people who don't really know, who don't really you know, have been to Tennessee. Uh, Nashville has like a population of what just under seven hundred thousand, according to our the last census. So it's like it's not even like a full million people in Nashville or in that metro area. It's 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 a it's a kind of a small capital city, and then Memphis is what the second biggest city, and they have probably just a few thousand less than ten than uh, Nashville, right? So it's it's, it's a they're, they're five hours away. Yeah, so it's 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 a uh, the population isn't booming in in the uh, southeast we'll say for right now but you're making it work with what you got and that's that's always something that we we aspire here at the esports network and speaking of the esports network you're also a, a bit of a writer for our site on esportsnetwork.com and obviously many others not just us you, you you're contributing on many other sites as well uh so I'm, I'm purely from a journalistic standpoint i've talked to a lot of uh, esports and sports journalists and i always ask them this question just to kind of gauge their interest not just in, in the scene but in their writing style right like what's a story that you you built up or that you wrote up and you, you read it over and you're like, this is super interesting or it, you know, it doesn't have to be published. It just has to be something that you wrote up and, and, and really thought about like, this is a really either weird or really great story. Yeah. I, I like to write about just like these small regions because like, if you look at Call of Duty, a lot of people only think of NA or Europe. They don't think of like Australia or like Oceanic. So those regions suffer in every esports, sadly. Yeah. Um, and like, Killer Instinct, for example, some of my players playing, um, they're doing a war tour in Oceanic and Australia. That region is the only region in the entire tour that did not get a share of the overall prize money. Mm. I was like, well, that sucks. Like, how, like, yeah, they still have the, they can still earn portal points and they can still compete in the circuit, but they're not playing for any money. Like, a lot of games leave that region out. I, I really don't know why. Like, I know they have less players. But, like, they're still as dedicated. I mean, especially for games where these players still travel to Europe or the United States to play in events. And for a lot of games to leave it out, I like to write about those scenes. So, like, Killer Instinct, for example, they have a small scene in those regions, but they still have good players. Like, they have players who, if they travel to Japan or travel to the United States, they would be top eight players easily. But just because of where they're located, they they get penalized for something they can't control, obviously. Yeah. And what I did with them is I had one of the top NA players, and then when the tour got announced, I noticed, like, hey, these guys are being left out. So I reached out to them, like, hey, like, I, obviously I can't give you thousands of dollars, but, like, I can give you a few hundred throughout the season just so you guys still play for something. And now my organization is sponsoring that region of the tour. And we even picked up one of their top players, and obviously, like, I always wake up at 2 a.m. to watch their events because of the time differences. I've been interacting with their scene ever since. And I like writing writing pieces about them and about similar situations. But sadly, since those aren't like considered like tier one or the biggest stories, um, they don't always get accepted. But what I find is when they do get, get accepted, those are usually ones that perform the best because they have the most local support. Like obviously if you're writing about LCS. People can see LES news mm -hmm. absolutely everywhere. Yeah. There, there's no like exclusivity with it. 
Or if I write about this, you're only going to see it in one place. It's like there's more eyes on it when it's in one place rather than when it's scattered everywhere. Yeah. And I like writing about that kind of stuff, posting it just one place. And then obviously all the eyes will be in that one place. They won't be scattered. So we focused. Right. And so Australia, obviously, it's a. Uh I think it's pretty well underserved as an esports region, right? It's it's pretty it's a twenty five million people, uh, you know, country, and the the esports the scene there is always somehow overlooked. So you're you're not wrong about it being kind of underserved in that sense. So you're right. It, it's something that I think esports will have to kind of revisit in the next few years once the scene grows and expands enough to that, you know, to, to kind of reach Australia at this point, right? So my Ooh. last question for you is kind of an interesting one. You just let me know where you know where you think this is going to go, right? So the grassroots scene is still obviously kind of it's always been there it's always been around do you foresee any big changes coming to this grassroots esports scene in the next few years maybe three to five years i'll say is it going to be more more corporatized is it going to or you know are bigger organizations going to step in a little bit more and kind of develop a minor league system around these grassroots organizations or is it still going to be kind of you know like localized within your your, your late strip your latest strip mall or within you know wherever really but it, where do you think this is going to go for grassroots esports I, I think esports is always going to be localized. Um, especially like you look at sports, like, yeah, we have the NFL and NBA, but you have like minor leagues, you have adult leagues everywhere. Like mm-hmm. sports is very localized. Like you, you very clearly, like, unless if it's the NFL, it's not corporate. Yeah. Like these adult leagues, these school leagues, they're, they're not corporate. They're all community ran. And I think they're all, it's just always going to stay local. Um, the biggest change I've seen coming to esports as a whole, would be in the collegiate scene because I know with these boosts and these strides, there's going to be a lot of a lot of pressure on stuff like the NCA and other big groups to either truly recognize these work or abandon it and let it do its own thing. Um, I have like the unpopular opinion here because I think the NCA should leave esports as it is, let esports build itself up. Um, and the only reason I say that is if you look at the NCA and look how they corporize everything. And look at all the rules and circulations they put. You know, people hate it. Yeah. Like just like in recent months, all these sports athletes are trying to like make ways to make money and like live, <laughs> um, and not be held down by all of these rules. And that would happen if they took over esports. If they try to like you not more or less unionize esports, one the first thing would happen is they would be they would make esports have the same problems as sports. These schools would have to get health insurance. They would have to get coaches, faculty. They would have all these have to be dedicated to esports. And the second that happens, I guarantee you, over 90% of the schools that do esports now will drop it. Mm. Because whether it's a club or a program at that point, it will have to be supported by the school. That would instantly cripple college esports, in my opinion, just because even nowadays, easily under 10% of schools are properly funded. Under 10% school is probably funding for it. That's just how it is, sadly. Um, that will change if the NCA doesn't ruin it before then. So I think it just needs to go how it is now. These schools are starting to wake up by themselves. They're starting to have conferences or state sports departments like boost them into it. And I think that's how esports needs to grow in Klejic. And I think that would be the only major change as far as like local. You're seeing a lot of these colleges like, hey, we need to make our own small conferences, which obviously some exist already. And I, I think that's the route esports needs to take. That's the only big change I see coming, like in recent history, at least. Man, I'm I'm right there with the NCAA. 
kind of uh, fumbled with um, for years with the with 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 with, uh, with just the regular sports, right? I don't know why you'd want to have to have them in you know traditional esports, but we'll we'll see, man. It's a it's a good it's a good good prediction of what's to come in the next few years, and I think uh, we'll all be paying attention to it as well. So, uh, Jacob, I gotta say thank you for coming on, man. Is there anywhere people can follow you? Follow Lagger Gaming. Tell us the social medias. Where are you guys going? Where are you guys playing? And what's going on? Yeah, so you can follow me personally, uh, Lagger VXVX, on all major platforms. Geoscore, Efuse, Twitter, Facebook. If you're, if you use Facebook, I know that's probably the least used one nowadays. Um, Lagger Gaming also on all of those platforms. Um, and then we do also have a community Discord, which you, you can find just by going on any of our social media and following you down the rap girl, finding it. Um, we do host a lot of local events, a lot of online events in our Discord too. Whether you play Call of Duty, Killer Instinct, mostly games we compete in just because we have players in that scene already. Um, and then we'll just be slowly going with these online events until I can go back to hosting in person events. So that that's our like short term growth map, I would say. All right, no, that's that's pretty good. I gotta ask, VXVX, what's the inspiration behind that? Uh, it, it's dumb. Like same <laughs> with it, it's dumb. Because my whole thing is when I was young and I was playing Steam games, I had to put in a name. And I just couldn't think of a name. And I still don't fully understand where it came from. But, like, the way I try to, like, rationalize it now is in Roman numerals, it's 5, 10, 5, 10, two halves. Two halves make a whole, and I've just been going off of that. But, like, I made that. I have been using VXVX even before I had Lagger. So, like, I was too young when I first came up with it, and I've literally used that name since. Like, I, I'm sure I got it from somewhere. I saw it on some TV show. I saw it in some, I saw it somewhere and I just went with it. I know I did because, like, I had used that since I was like six playing the first Counter Strike. So, like, I, I, I wish I knew exactly where it came from, but I just made up that newer story with the Roman numerals. You could, like, put it in, but, like, I really don't know. Like, I've used it for so long. It's just, it's a part of me now. <laughs> Man, I was I was going to tell you, because like, I'm thinking Roman numerals, but I know in Rome they put like the number they'd want to subtract in front of a number, right? So for that's why nine is I-X, because you'd have the I in front of the X, and they would subtract it, it'd be, it'd be a nine. So I was going to say like, is it five, 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 five? Because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, it's, a, it's a Latin joke, pretty much. That's all I'm trying to say, okay? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I wish I knew the origins. I'm sure it came from a TV show or something. But I literally went with a sense and always will. <laughs> and now it follows you around forever. That's kind of uh, right? the, the bad part of it, right? But, hey, I want to thank you for coming on the show, man, again, and giving your your perspective and putting a little spotlight in that 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 region of Tennessee, Kentucky, that whole kind of like southeastern, but not quite Florida and Alabama south. You know what I mean? I'm not going down that mm-hmm. south. <laughs> so thanks for coming yeah. on, man. Appreciate it, and uh, wish you the best of luck. Thanks, man. Just happy to talk. He's Jacob Johnson of Lagger Gaming, and I'm Kevin Correa, right here on the Esports Network podcast. <laughs>